The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Raising the Bar. I'm your host, Amy Bredo, and today I'm welcoming back my friend, Randy Fine. She is a expert, an expert, excuse my English today, in narcissistic abuse disorder. And we did a show a few weeks ago uh, just kind of introducing this issue to people, and we had such tremendous feedback. And I got some letters that I thought um, – we're pretty intense, Randy, and I wanted to share them with you. So I want to just welcome you back to the program today, and we can kind of just dive in because I did not realize how many people are experiencing this. Hi, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. This is great. I, um, yeah. I definitely would like to uh, be able to address those issues that people are having in question. So I'm ready. Well, I'm glad, and I and I think especially, too, with your second book coming out, and I want to talk a little bit about those again. I um, apologize and hope my introduction wasn't too informal. Um, I want to reintroduce, reintroduce you to our audience as well, so let's make sure we, we touch on that. Um, please let me know again. Talk about this book that you have coming out now because, again, I, I really think it's going to be a global hit and a savings grace to, to many people. Thank you. I hope so, too. The book is called uh, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, uh, Narcissistic Abuse Survivor's Guide to Healing. And um, this is a book that I'm covering absolutely everything that has to do with this kind of abuse because it's really important to understand where it came from, the, me- the mechanisms that were used on the abuser, uh, and then I also go into um, how to overcome all these things. I go into every kind of relationship that uh, that a person could have with a narcissist, and um, it, it, this is this book is going to be up to the minute with research, and um, I just really hope that it will heal a lot of people because it's the answer to so many questions that I get. I mean, there's just so many things that are in there that people want to know. So. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I, I feel like <laughs> I don't know if it's just the weird, or the weird person that I have the potential to be sometimes. But I think I, you know, in in thinking about some of the conversations that we've had and some of the different experiences that I've I've had, it almost makes you sometimes wonder, like, oh my gosh, what areas of my life could I identify as a narcissist mm-hmm. sometimes? And 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 that's a scary place. I I think my only um 
I can't even think of the word. I think that the only thing that helps me is like, well, hey, if I realize it, though, I'm on the right path. If I find something I need to fix and I'm willing to fix it, then maybe I'm okay. I don't know. Well, that, that, yeah, that's absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. And you know something? Everyone who um, has been or had – well, let me speak specifically about narcissistic abuse now. That may not have been your yeah. issue. I know that you have other childhood abuse issues, but um, – Everyone who's been abused in childhood questions if they perhaps have narcissistic traits. And the one thing, which is exactly what you just said, people that have narcissistic personality disorder do not have the ability to look at themselves with any kind of um, objectivity. They can't do it. And so... For anyone out there that's listening who is questioning the same thing, if you are able to look at yourself and wonder if there's something you can improve about yourself, I guarantee that you do not have narcissistic personality disorder. So that's such there a you go. <laughs> <laughs> because out of all the personality disorders I could possibly have, to rule that one out is really a relief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh, I shouldn't laugh. Um, you know, in talking about this, and, and, and it's amazing to me when you say, like, there is just no way for that person to realize that they have an issue. It it leads me to such a place of frustration, which then I realized was fruitless waste of energy. Um, it, it it amazes me in not a good way, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've... But I got letters, I got some um, emails through Voice America, and I got some texts from some friends even that were like, oh my gosh, I know this person or I know that person. And, and like I said, it was so mind-blowing and eye-opening at the same time to get that kind of feedback that I really wanted to address a couple things. Uh, sure. how, do you feel, how do you feel about just kind of diving into that? Oh, sure. Let's go. Okay. So the first thing I got, um, I got a text that just was from a friend like, holy crap, that's my ex-husband. You know, <laughs> you you hear all those stories. And then I got a few emails about, um, you know, fathers and mothers. And then I got an email that was somebody that was referred to me, if that makes sense, somebody that had heard our show and had spoken to one of their friends. And so I get an email that basically, um, when the person wrote it, they left names out. I just want to be careful with it. But um you know, it, it's just started out, you know, first of all, I'd like to say it put my mind at ease to know that Randy has no contact with her parents. So I think you putting that out there that it was okay to create a safe life for yourself was was a, a very good affirmation to people that have made those choices and probably have a lot of guilt. I feel like I would have guilt. Right. And it is. Um, and I did have guilt initially, too, when I had to do this. Okay. But what happens, you know, when you're a survivor of this kind of abuse, I, I hate to use the word selfish, but there is kind of a, a selfishness that we as survivors have to have okay. to protect ourselves. Because for so many years, we've been dumped on, stepped on, used, abused, um, told we're worthless. And when we begin the healing, <clears throat> we have to take care of ourselves and learn to love ourselves, that's the first thing that we have to really do. And part of that is to eliminate all the toxicity in your life. And if that has to be your parents, so be it. Right, right. You know, you know, in looking at this letter again, it's almost like it needs to be kind of addressed 
per section in a way because I think it could be very teaching to a lot of our listeners. I'm also okay. trying to be conscious of time. So if, if I have to interrupt myself or you, I apologize ahead of time. Okay. Um, so would you okay. like me to talk about no contact? Well, no, I, th- I think that I think that that was just a good affirmation of that. So this person is telling me she decided to not have a lot of contact with her parents since she was young. However, what I found interesting is now she's going through a divorce. And, you know, we've talked about how uh, we identify with our abuser and then sometimes find that in a mate. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a super, that's very common with a lot of um, different issues. But so this seems to be kind of what had happened. And so what she's saying to me is that as she's going through her divorce, uh, everything is so fresh about anything she's learned about narcissistic abuse disorder since you know, referred um, to the last program we did, that she's realizing there's trigger words. You know, so she's like, now I find myself trying to identify these people in a crowd so that I don't get stuck like this again. You know, and I thought that was very interesting. And, you know, she said, I'm finding it when somebody keeps saying to me, like, oh, I'm just just joking or, you know, that I don't take a joke well or that I'm the nicest person that they know. She's, you know, so she's saying, like, if I'm the nicest person that they know, then why do they keep cutting me down or saying these things to me and then telling me that I, I'm, they're just kidding or I can't take a joke. How, did you, how do you feel about that? Do you, are there any kind of specific trigger words that, or things that people can, can be aware of? Well, <clears throat> that is so, so common because um, we're, we learn not to trust our instincts. Mm-hmm. Our narcissistic abuser, whether it be in childhood or whether it be in, our, in adult relationships, we are trained, systematically conditioned to not trust our instincts. So when we go out there, it's, it's frightening because we think that everyone is going to hurt us. And that's, that's really, really, really normal to feel that way. But what is so important, and the reason, if you have these abuse issues, the reason that it is imperative imperative, absolutely necessary to work with someone like me or someone that has this kind of experience is to learn all the mechanisms that got you where you are, Uh, all the things that the narcissistic abuser uses to do mind control um, and to strip you of your dignity, your self-esteem, um, your individuality, those kind of things. When you learn the mechanisms used against you, then you're, you are armed for the rest of your life to not fall into the trap. And that's why it's so important to get the help because this is not something anyone can do on their own. Do you think, I don't know why I thought of this question, does the narcissist know, or is it a subconscious thing, but does the narcissist know, like, I am controlling their mind right now? Or is it just something they think is the right thing to do? I guess it's hard to understand. Right. It's really, really hard to understand. What the narcissist does, the narcissist has one agenda from the minute he or she wakes up in the morning till he goes to bed at night, he or she goes to bed at night. And that is to gain what's called narcissistic supply. Narcissistic Mm -hmm. supply is adoration, admiration, and attention. Now, we all like these things in our lives, but these people have no ability to sustain it at all, for, not for one second in their life. They must have a constant, constant dose 
of these kind of things. So they're completely driven in life to find these things. Um, Whatever they have to do is okay with them. And the way that they justify that is they would do what's called objectifying people. They turn people, in their minds, they turn people into objects that don't have feelings. So that way they can do whatever they want and not feel bad about it. Interesting. Ugh, interesting. Crazy. Yeah. uh, What is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Like, I'm sure we're going to have even more feedback from this. So this is just something that I feel very good about sharing with people. So who knows? We have a very long relationship ahead of us, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, Just definitely. Kidding. The best way to reach me is to go to um, randygfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-G-F-I-N-E.com, and then uh, go to my life is- uh, Fine Life Issues Counseling page. And there I have everything about, you know, how I counsel, what my policies are, and there's direct links to, uh, to make an appointment with me. And, um, and I want people to know that, you know, I mean, my fees are so reasonable, and I do that because I'm really in this to help. I'm not right. in this to get rich. I just really want to help people. And I know that they cannot do this alone. And also, so many people go to therapists and get treated completely wrong. I mean, they're just not diagnosed properly. They come out feeling guilty. They come out feeling worse. And so I want to be very accessible to people because I can help them get through this. And, you know, and I, and I tell people, you're hurting so badly, but I can get you to a place where you can function in life and not have this be every waking moment upsetting you. So, um, so that's, you know, that's what I try to do with people. I, th- I think that's amazing, and I'm so grateful that you're there because you're really going to be creating such a movement in really caring for yourself. And, you know, I know we kind of touched on that, that big, this big uh, self-affirmation movement and gratitude movement and mindset and all that. And it's not, I'm not disagreeing with it, but really when you're abused, you've got to take care of all of that bef- mm-hmm. before, before your mindset will change. And we just have a couple moments before break. So randygfine.com, and that will give them all the information that they need to be able to contact you. And the thing that's also really great about your site is it does talk about your books, talks about um, your radio show that you've got. So that's very exciting. And I love that it is just full of resources for people. So I want to encourage everybody listening out there, please look at Randy's site and also they can follow you on Facebook. Are you also on Twitter? I can't remember if I asked. I am. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Google Plus. I'm everywhere. Okay, you're everywhere. So (laughs) very, very, very easy to find you. So we have a few moments before break, but I think I'm going to actually go to break a little bit early so we have a little longer to talk uh, throughout our next break. So you are listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and our guest, Randy Fine, and we are following up our addition to our narcissistic abuse disorder episode with some great feedback that we had from listeners. We will be right back. considered expanding your family through adoption but don't know where to start are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start reach out to the community at the echo foundation 
The ECHO Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the ECHO Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the ECHO Foundation. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. You're listening to Raising the Bar. Uh, we have our guest, Randy Fine, here today. And we're jumping back into our conversation about um, narcissistic abuse. And we've gotten uh, some great feedback from listeners. And I'm going to just kind of hop right back to this letter that I received. So uh, we got a letter from a woman who's going through a divorce and realizing how abused she was in her marriage. And her marriage was, you know, over 15 years. So this wasn't a short period of time. And, you know, plus her her dating um, of her husband. So she was talking about different things that can trigger her, you know, system to get her shaking or get her nervous or things that are um, said that kind of trigger her to think that maybe somebody new she's meeting could possibly be abusive. And she said, aside from, you know, people saying, oh, just kidding a lot, just, you know, take a joke or whatever, she said, I'm finding that with the people I notice that I'm around that are seem particularly moody or needy, She's like, is something about them that all of a sudden I can see through and there's just like their anger is just under the surface of their skin. And she's like, I don't know how I missed it before. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about her experience and then hear what you have to say about this. Um, okay. One of her experiences was, you know, name calling. There was there was a lot of name calling from her spouse in front of people. And um she said specifically she felt like her she would be labeled. You know how you see some people, you know, driving around and they'll have their name on their car or whatever and their license plates. So that's not always a big deal. But she said it would become like situational where um you know, she used to be heavy and her husband would call her an elephant and say it in front of the kids and they would laugh and all that kind of stuff or a, or a hippo or something. I can't remember how she worded it. And then she decided to take control kind of of her body image and got in shape, and then he would tell her she wasn't feminine. So there was there was no happy medium with this person. And then when she was looking great, you know, he would be very careful or very not careful, wrong word, very um, specific or intentional about telling everybody around them that that was his wife. You know, putting his name um, on her car with the number two, or, or you know, saying you know just not asking what she wanted on her license plates. So she felt like she was always like kind of labeled and tethered. Um, you know, 
he went so far as to say, I'm going to call their last name Smith just because it's easy. She left the name out and it's too hard for me to say his last name, her last name. So he would say things like, um, you're not a real Smith. That's DNA. And, and mm-hmm. it actually pull their children into it. Like, so would you want to be a Smith or would you want to be a Jones? Maybe mom's last name is Jones, you know, and like really almost like pitting her own children against her. So now she finds herself in this situation where she had to finally realize, you know, she realized she needed to break free and she's doing so. And then, of course, some of the children are mad because they're probably fearful of their dad. You know, um, she's just, you know, she's just she's struggling because now she's on her own. She's realizing she doesn't want to live in fear anymore, but it's still scary I'm sure and now a few of the kids aren't talking to her one of the kids she's sharing custody with you know is the name calling thing a common occurrence very it's it's one of their humiliation tactics okay. the name calling they you know they systematically the narcissist systematically um, tears somebody down to the point, and they do it in many different ways. Name-calling is one of them. Humiliating them in front of others is, a, is another thing. It's all about stealing their self um, so they no longer are an individual and they're more dependent on, you know, the more uh, of the self they can steal from their victim, the more dependent that person is and the more captive their narcissistic supply is. So, like I said before, it all really boils down to that. So these tactics of hurting her and um, name-calling and not being happy when she's heavy, he tells her she's too fat when she's thin, he tells her she's manly, um, he is just trying to abuse her and take away herself so she's insecure enough to have to stay in the marriage. Now, that's so that's one of the common tactics, and this is very, you know, very common. Um, what you're talking about with the children, when, when I talk to people who are having trouble in their marriage and they're contemplating divorce, I always tell them to get their ducks in a row, um, be very, very specific with how they do this, and very careful, because narcissists take this as personal injury, and it becomes them against you in a divorce situation, and they play the children. Right. And there's a name for this. It's called, actually called parental alienation. Huh. Parental alienation is when the uh, abuser talk to, um, convinces the children, brainwashes the children into believing that the other parent is responsible for all the problems that, are, that right. they're having. The problem. They're responsible for the marriage falling apart. They're responsible for the ch- kids being unhappy. And it's, um, it's another whole psychological uh, mechanism that's used. It's not because that other parent wants those children. It's because he wants to hurt the person who he's divorcing. You know, that's interesting, too. And I've noticed, you know, in some other... And from, you know, feedback I had gotten, there was a situation where I, you know, and after talking to you, I was listening to the situation and I felt like I could see little glimpses of narcissism in the, in the opposite spouse. And I was like, gosh, it sounds like it, but maybe they're not as to the same degree as like what we're talking about now or what we talked about with your mom or, you know, how we talked about the varying levels of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, and it's, 
you know, it's to the point to where the kids are saying, like, you know, if you guys get divorced, we'll hate you. So it's like the children learn the behavior of the narcissistic parent. It's almost like it's transferred through the kids. And even if the kids aren't themselves narcissists, it's like they, they're they taught that manipulation. Well, they're taught the manipulation and they're also taught that guilt works. Right. So, because guilt is one of the tactics that narcissists use on the people that um, that they abuse. So that those people, you know, they try to make them feel like they're responsible for everything that's happening to them, all the bad things that are happening to them. Well, the way guilt works is when it's used on you, it becomes your way of, of manipulating other people. So the children have learned that, that, you know, that, that manipulating by guilt works. Yeah, it's, it's um, sick. This, you know, <laughs> Amy, this is, this is so complicated and so twisted, and there's so many uh, aspects of this and the way it works, and um, that it is very, very scary. And, you, you know, the, the, the lady that um, wrote that letter to you, and she's talking about meeting other men and now noticing that they're moody and needy and those kind of things. When, um, when you've been victimized this way, um, People who are needy, people who are abusive, uh, moody, those kind of people sniff you right out. That's amazing. They know. Um, there's just something about you. There's something about the way that you present yourself. And your cons- kind and consideration for others and being so sensitive to others' needs and those kind of things. You're like a magnet to these people. So you're supposed to pretend you're something you're not and be a no. jerk? <laughs> no, you're not. Okay. You're not supposed right. to pretend you're something you're not. What What's so important is it all goes back to doing the work and getting down to the basis of what happened to you, what you're lacking inside that's allowing this to continue, and the things that la- that that we all all abuse victims of this nature lack inside is the ability to to love themselves, the ability to validate themselves, the ability to establish healthy emotional boundaries. These are, these are three things. And until those things are established, um, you, it's just, you just ha- it'll happen again and again and again. Uh, what is it? You know, she also spoke about some different things like, um, you know, you'd get ready to go out and he would pick a fight and then turn around and say he's not going and then say it's because she has a bad attitude or they would go out and he would start a fight in front of the other couples and, and leave her there. Right. You know, and, and, you know, and then she talks about how it got to the point to where sometimes she would get up and go get ready to do her day and she would have no car keys. Right. It's sabotage. You know, there's, there's a technique called stonewalling where um, they deliberately uh, will not communicate to you the way you need to be communicated. Like if you're, you know, say you're, um, you have an anniversary coming up and, and you want to plan something, they'll do everything that they can to stand in the way of ever communicating that information with you so it will never happen. Um, they sabotage things. They, they, it's just... It's all about control. It's to make you crazy so that you no longer trust your sense of um, intuition and to keep you, on, keep you on your toes 
So they're, they're constantly playing with your head. This is very, very deliberate to make you crazy. Because when you're crazy, you're more dependent and you right. can't leave. And also what they do is they'll drive you to the point of absolute hysteria, craziness. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll knit, they'll pick and pick and pick and pick or say something that they know is, go- is a very sensitive issue. Right. And then when you get upset, ah, right. then they say, see, I'm not the crazy one. You are. Look how you're acting. It's right. just, you know, and so it makes you feel even more crazy. You know, there's parts of that that I can relate to in different circumstances or situations. And then thinking about, you know, how the abuser will always come around and say, um, well, see, I bought you these expensive things or took you on these trips or give you gifts. Or, you know, she said um, there would be times when he would apologize. And so there'd be some kind of something that would distract her like a gift or a trip or something like that so that I would she said you know so I would forget what happened you know but that wears off and ultimately I think there was a lot of deeper seated abuse in this relationship too which I don't want to talk about what she wrote because it's not it's just bad um but you know like what is it is it a is it a power thing is it you know is it just like not only am I going to break you mentally I'm going to shove you down Right. Physically or, you know. Right. I'm going to break you. I'm going to break you completely. So you okay. not, no longer know who you are. You no, no longer can function as an individual. Um, that's what it's all about. Now, this whole thing about apologizing, you know, it, it's funny because narcissists don't apologize, but they word things in a way that make you think they're apologizing, but you'll never get an honest apology from any narcissist. Like, my mother will say, um, forgive me if I upset you, that kind of thing. Forgive me if I upset upset you. you. Well, that's not saying I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. So these are the (laughs) things that they do. They word it in a way that sound like they're sorry, but if you really think about it, you're not getting a genuine apology. And the reason that they do these things is because when they feel like maybe you're standing up for yourself or, you know, you're finally thinking about leaving, they do something called hoovering, like the vacuum cleaner. They suck you right back in. Hoovering, okay. Hoovering. So they want you to forget and as soon as they think, oh, my gosh, if they think, oh, I screwed up, you know, now, now she's going to pull away from me, well, then they think they're losing their supply, and that's the very worst thing that can ever happen to them. So then they suck you back in and tell you all the things they know you want them to say, all the things you want to hear, so that you let your guard down again, and they do it over and over and over, and people say to themselves, why, why am I so stupid? Why do, right. How do I keep going back and back and back and back? It's because they know how to work your mind. That's why. Oh, my gosh. It makes me almost upset, like have an upset stomach thinking about this, because mm-hmm. when somebody is in that situation and they have a family and they have a life, you know, you do. You find yourself in that place where... 
do I want to disrupt my whole life or I'll get through this? Or, you know, I can remember in certain situations, like I'm not saying my husband is a narcissist. I'm just saying like there, but there have been some conversations where I will have a valid point and I'm bothered or upset about something and I feel like it would get turned around on me. And we've, we've worked through this and he's been like, oh yeah, okay. You know, but so then him recognizing it, that's a good sign, you know, but, but, um, I can remember uh, with even arguments within my own family system growing up where I f- would literally say to myself, like, maybe this really is my fault. You know, maybe, maybe this is my fault. Maybe I caused something to lead this person to believe one thing when it really was never that. Or maybe I shouldn't be upset by the way that they're treating me. And at the end of the day, like, if somebody's treating you in a way that's upsetting you, then obviously something is, is wrong. That's right. That's right, Amy. Um, and we, and all of us that are survivors of this kind of abuse, um, and really kind of any abuse, our, the way our brains work is that we're, we're accountable for our behavior. Okay, that's the way a normal, healthy person's brain works. You know, oh gosh, I did it. I feel, you know, maybe I have some responsibility in this. And okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fair and look at this from all points of view. Okay, that's right. a healthy point of view. And so the narcissist knows that we think like that. So they know that we are always going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's this is very, very typical. And we begin to question if we really are experiencing what we're experiencing. Like um, when you when you're abused like this in childhood, you don't even realize you grow up not even realizing that you were abused at all, which right. is really crazy. Right. Um, I didn't know I was abused until I was in my forties. Uh, I knew that every that being around my parents drained the living, you know, yeah. everything out of me. Right. Um, I knew I didn't like them, but I thought I had to love them. Um, I was very confused. You know, we have to go to break, and I think that's a good place to pause um, okay. the, the confusion of the abuse. And I think that's maybe something we should talk about when we get back. Sure. Um, everybody, sure. thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and my guest, Randy Fine. And we'll be back in just a moment. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybredo.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybredo.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com 
and click the Echo Foundation. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. It's me, Amy Bredo, and my sweet friend, Randy Fine. We are talking more about uh, narcissistic abuse. And we were just talking about as victims, uh, especially when it happens to in childhood, not even being able or not realizing that we've been abused. And, you know, are we growing up in these patterns of thinking like, well, you know what, there, there must be something wrong with me, you know, or, or what did I do wrong? Or maybe that is my fault. So, you know, I find in reading the letters that I've read and the texts that I've gotten, and even, in, like I said, with any kind of um, amount of self-experience, I find like there is that point, I, there is a breaking point when you're just, right? I mean, when you're just like enough is enough. You spoke about when you would be around your parents, how it would just drain the living daylights out of you and you thought you had to love them. I think that, I think for me, um, you know, having my biological father was, you know, an alcoholic and very mentally abusive. And when I hear about some of the things these people are saying to what was said to you or what's said to, you know, other people through their spouses, definitely a narcissist uh, (laughs) to to some degree, because I can think about, I mean, the shaming factor of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I can remember being eight years old and being like, Dad, there is this cute boy in my class. His name is Mark. He's just so cute. And he literally looked at me and was like, keep your clothes on. I didn't even know what that meant. I did not even know what that meant. I mean, I, I knew that what he was saying was not a nice thing, you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I just, I can remember being eight years old and thinking to myself like, well, that didn't really go as planned, you know, and, I, and I, I, like I said, I would always do that behavioral tap dance for my dad because you just didn't know what you were going to get. Um, so I don't know if, if that's an example, but I just know now thinking as a grown woman, 42 years old, I can identify a lot of these things through research, my own counseling, especially since meeting you. So I'm super thankful for that. But what is it that finally... Uh, triggers in people to, I hate to call it bravery, but it really is. It, it is a terrifying situation to completely uproot your entire life. You don't know what the consequences to those actions are going to be. You know, what, is, what are some words of wisdom that we can give people that are going through this and actually taking steps to heal? How, you know, what are some words of encouragement we can give them? Right. Okay. Um, I find that usually between the ages of 35 and 45, and I think I might have talked about this in the last show that we did, that's generally when um, we wake up and we say, something wasn't right and I can't take it anymore. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I just think it's where we just reach a, reach a point in our life where we just can't function with this anymore. It's just okay. too much. It, it's over overbearing. Um, and we have to begin to look at things that we may not have looked at before. And, um, you know, you were talking about your father. Um, narcissistic fathers are the absolute worst of all the abusers. Mm-hmm. They're worse than mothers. Um, and they are very chauvinistic. Uh, they're very degrading to their daughters. They treat mm-hmm. them terribly. 
um, I had somebody tell me that um, their father called him a whore when they tried to wear flip-flops to middle school. They were right. called a whore. So, you know, they are just, they're very, very degrading. But not only that, these men are, they really are despicable human beings. They cheat yeah. on their wives. They have second families. They're just, um, they're just despicable human beings. And um, so if you did, in fact, have a narcissistic father, we have some work to do, Amy. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I am like a counselor's dream. And I'm, not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a narcissist when I say that, but like, I'm so open to counseling for everything. Like, just let me walk in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, and there's something, there's something else I wanted to say as you were talking. <clears throat> it's amazing. But narcissists remember everything you ever tell them your entire life. <sighs> what is that? They keep it in an arsenal. And they use it against you whenever they feel they need to. Um, it's amazing how many things that they can remember that they can pull out of this hat and use against you. Hi. And what I tell people when they're, um, you know, people like you and I and the listeners, uh, your listeners, we want to be real with people, and when we see something that doesn't feel right, we want to express it. We want to say, you know, that doesn't feel good. We've been taught to say, I feel blah, 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 you know? Right, We've been taught right. that that's the way to approach, to not accuse, but to say, I feel. Well, with a narcissist, you can't let them in in any way, shape, or form. You can't tell them how you feel because it's all used against you. Interesting. So when you said to your dad, I really like this boy, right. that was ammunition for him to hurt you. It's so sad. <laughs> it's it? so so ridiculous and so sad. You know, when you were saying those things about how a narcissist remembers, let me ask you this question. So, so and I apologize to anybody listening who gets annoyed when I use myself as an example, but it's all I got, okay? So when I'm, when I'm thinking about that, I think about things that have been said to me or done to me that have wounded me so deeply. And I am very much a, a words of affirmation person. So if, you're, if anybody listening is you know, familiar with the whole love languages thing, like you can say, just tell me I did a good job and I will work even harder, but tear me down, and probably because I got called names a lot growing up uh, and was around some rage situations and things like that. You know, so I think words of affirmation is definitely my first kind of love language. So when I think about things people have said to me that have cut me so deeply because words have tended to do that to me, I remember. And so am I being narcissistic? Like if five years later, I'm like, yeah, but you see, for me, words are, are huge. And then even though actions can change, for some reason, words, like, I hang on. Well, you're hanging on to them because they hurt you. You're not, you're not hanging on to them to hurt someone else. Okay. That's <laughs> I just want to make sure I was all right. <laughs> That's the difference. The narcissist hangs on to the words to hurt other people. Nothing hurts them. Okay. This is all ammunition. So every time, you know, if, say, um, someone's in a marriage, you know, and they're being abused and they want to say to their husband, you know, it really doesn't, you know, it really hurts me when you say that to me. Uh, it really hurts me when you tell me I look fat or, 
you know, that I'm not good enough or I'm not pretty enough or it hurts me when you're always looking at other women or whatever. Well, these are things that give them insight into you to help them to abuse you more. Interesting. So you almost, when you find yourself in a situation to where you're being abused, even in the moments that maybe this part, you're not ready to get out or, you know, how you, I think that there's stages of things, like there's stages of grief. So I'm thinking if a person is like, you know what, this isn't right. I need to make changes. There has to be some kind of path or planning that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. You almost have to shut yourself down emotionally or not respond. You have to shut yourself down completely. That's right. You do. This is hard. The the victim has so much work to do. They have to validate their experiences on their own because they never get no. Their abuser will never, uh, never admit to doing anything ever. Right. Right. So you live a whole life, or or ten years, or fifteen years with, with somebody who has hurt you and hurt you and hurt you, and you will never ever get validation that they did. So all the healing has to come from within, which is why I work with people to build what I call their inner self. Okay. Um, When you're abused this way, you don't have the inner self that a person that hasn't been abused has. So you don't have the ability to validate yourself. You don't have the ability to say, um, I'm okay. It doesn't matter what you say, I'm okay. We don't have that ability. We're so, so vulnerable to everybody, what everybody else has to say about us and the way they treat us, because that's how we've been conditioned. So I teach people to learn to validate themselves, but that, the first step in all that is really coming to self-love, and there's several steps to self-love. Um, when we love ourselves and value ourselves, then we no longer subject ourselves. That's the first thing. Um, The second thing is boundaries. Um, We must know what's okay and what's not okay for us. And, um, and And the validation is learning to understand that no matter what anybody says about you or to you, that you're okay with how you are, that that what you say is okay, that what you do is okay. So it's, these are all inter, kind of interrelated. Um, but as a narcissistic abuse victim, all these things come externally. Hmm. They're all external. So we wait to be told we're okay. We wait to be told we're right. We wait to be told what we saw really, we really saw, or what we heard, we really heard. We wait for all this validation from the outside, but we never are taught to develop it on our own from the inside, which is why you see, you know, people that haven't been abused have such great self-esteem. They can, I mean, look at Donald Trump. I mean, he's got the whole world against him. It doesn't matter. No. You know, but is he a narcissist? <laughs> well, he, he, he does have narcissistic qualities, but uh, that's a whole nother show. Um, yeah, it really is. <laughs> I don't think he has the disorder, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, and I have my reasons for saying that. I, right. I think that he may have narcissistic qualities to his personality, but I don't think he has a personality disorder. Um, and there's, you know, there's a big, big difference with that. Yeah, and that but, being you know, said, we we're not getting into a political have very conversation. High self-esteem and go through life and really accomplish things because of it. Um, that's because it was built in them from childhood. Okay. 
you know, the darn childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it, gets every, it gets everybody. It makes you know? or breaks us. It really does. It, it really does, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's interesting because in all the different things I'm able to do with a lot of the work that I do, I'm able to, to meet a lot of kids that were abused, you know, and, and a, my experience so far has been more in third world countries where it's a lot of uh, abandonment and neglect as far as nutrition and, and proper, you know, housing and things like that. But there's also a lot of abuse too. So, I mean, there's so many issue, or issues that need to be tackled with that. So, uh, and, and I know in closing, you know, what, um, I'm like laughing about Donald Trump in my head already. <laughs> we're not getting we're not getting into a political conversation. We're not no, bashing no. or and encouraging I, I, or supporting. You know, I, I hesitated supporting. to say that. But it's funny. I, I don't care. We, we can say whatever we want. I don't really care who, I could, who we bother. <laughs> um, to be able to go out there and not be not have what anybody says about you bother you. Right. And even if it does, he's not going to let anybody know it. So good for him. I, right. I suppose. So I, I mean, wish, I wish I had extreme, that thick skin. And we're and the abuse victims are the other extreme, where everything. That said about us, we internalize. I'm guilty of that. I can tell you that I will honestly, um, sometimes I get myself to a point to where someone, he has, I, this has happened, it happened actually pretty recently, and I can't think of a specific example, but I know that it, it bothered me at the thought of the person saying something about me. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't even happen, and we just have a, about four minutes. But that was interesting to me that I was like, this person hasn't said a word, and the fixation I'm having about the fear of this person saying something is bothering me so much. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. I, I had to have a whole like self talk off the ledge, <laughs> you know, of that's like, right. let it go, right? Uh, and I did, but it was not easy. I mean, no, it's not. It's, it's not because. You know, if if if, if um, you don't have that ability to self-validate, um, which is something really that everybody could probably work on, whether you're abused or whether you aren't abused, mm-hmm. we can all, you know, we all have insecurities and everything. But um, but we're particularly weak in that area, and um, and we never ever get, we will never get validation. So acceptance of the fact that you've been with a narcissistic abuser, it, the acceptance is so hard to come by um, because it's all within you right. that you have to come by it. Wow. You know, and, and I realized, too, in thinking about in this conversation, we have even touched. And, you know, I think I'm going to do is I might post um, some of the excerpts of some letters and emails that I have gotten on my Raising the Bar page so that if any readers maybe can connect or relate to some of that, I would like, or readers, listeners and readers of the Facebook page. Um, on ra- ugh, I can't even speak. I'm all confused and upset. On Facebook, there is a page called Raising the Bar. Well, I'll often post about what we're talking about or any kind of feedback and stuff like that. But I'd really like to get the community involved because we had some great response from um, our conversations, Randy. So I was super excited to have you back. Again, to the listeners, please go to randygfine.com. It's R-A-N-D-I-G-F-I-N-E.com. There's... um, ton of great information on there and ways to help you get a hold of Randy. You can also follow her on Google+, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Did I miss anything? 
No, and I have a specific <laughs> Facebook page called Narcissistic Abuse Survivors United. So go there because that's I oh. put a lot up there. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! And you know, anybody that does have any questions or comments, you don't have to. Tell us your name, but if you want to just share your story or ask any questions, please, too, you can follow me on Facebook at Amy Bredo, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn as well, and Instagram. Those are all open pages. Please also feel free to email amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com, and you can also just contact me directly through Voice America on my host page if all of that was a lot to remember and you don't have a pen. But um, I think, like I said, this is just the the surface. I think... Um, when people are abused, a lot of that comes out sideways, and that's a whole other issue to tackle. So maybe we'll have to uh, regroup and, and do a show on that because I did get some feedback about that where people will feel trapped to stay in their situation because they have self-shame from acting out from things the abuser has caused them or, you know, feelings that have been caused. So that's a whole other ball game. But I wanted to just thank you again so much for your time, Randy, and so thankful for our connection and thank you to everybody listening today. I look forward to hearing your feedback, your questions and comments. And until next time, we'll see you on Raising the Bar. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.